Welcome to Dragon Talk. I'm Greg Tito, host of this, one of the official Dungeons & Dragons podcasts. Well. And who else do we have here? I'm Shelly Mazenoble. Oh, I'm sh- going to use my radio voice. Oh, I like. I like it very Your much. Your voice got really good. It did go a little bit yeah. melodic. I oh. am now doing this recording for real. Shadow Stevens. With oh the block. Oh my god. That was, I was totally channeling Shadow Stevens when I was doing that. There's this. a lot of people who have no idea <laughs> what you just said. Look it up. You Googleize it and Google you will find it. it. Uh, it's Go to on, the library and get an encyclopedia. On Hollywood Squares. <laughs> <laughs> and the history of the middle middle block. It was like Whoopi Goldberg. It was that guy. And then it was, uh, what was the neighbor from Three's Company? You know who I'm talking about? Mr. Roper? Uh, Paul Lind was the first version of uh, the Hollywood Squares middle block. What, who did he play? Uh, he was like... Jack's oh. friend? Yeah, I think or so. Or not, not one of the landlords, like the Ropers or... No, yeah, he was uh, one of Jack's friends, I think. Mr. Roper. Well, now what I have to look that up now. Um, but we are here, and we're going to talk about some fun Dungeons the Dragon stuff going on. Uh, today's yeah. interview is with Graham Barber uh, from POC Gamer, which we're really excited to talk to him about his histories uh, in the military and find, finding out all about yeah. his gaming group. We never get to talk to people who have I the know, military history. I know, but we hear from, from active uh, uh, you know, military service yeah. people as well as veterans, like a huge community of folks who yep. love to play Dungeons & Dragons. So we're going to get uh, talk to him about that. Uh, and uh, we got uh, some fun announcements going on that we want to get you guys in on uh, Xanathar's Guide to Everything is going to be in game stores November 10th. Uh, You may be listening to this and may already be out uh, and you should go grab it from your friendly local game store. It's got tons of new player options. 27 new subclasses for all the classes in uh, the player's handbook. Time to make a new character. Time to make a new character. Exactly. Or three. three. Get your motor running. Uh, There's an alternate cover. There's an alternate cover designed by Hydro 74, all only available in game stores. It's got the same interior, but the alternate cover has got a little bit nicer sheen to it. Actually, it's, it's a softer finish. Feels really smooth yeah. uh, uh, on the fingertips, yep. uh, and uh, that is only in game stores, as I said. And then in, and the rest of it is out wide on November twenty first. You can get Xanathar's Guide to Everything everywhere after that. Um, but on November tenth, you can get it in Fantasy Grounds. You can get it in D and D Beyond. You can also uh, get it at a later date in Roll Twenty. They got to do some uh, uh, some. Rehaul. They're basically doing like a whole overhaul of their thing before they do that because they have to get players' handbook content on Roll Twenty First. But it'll be coming eventually uh, at a later date cool. uh, to Roll Twenty. Um, so yeah, I guess that's Xanathar's guide in a nutshell. If you're interested, go check out the uh, videos from D and D Beyond on their YouTube channel. Um, they've been doing tons of interviews with Mike Merles and Jeremy Crawford uh, about each one of those new subclasses. Uh, and there's so that's good ways really cool. to get your imagination going and making up new classes. Right. Okay. All right. Let's do it. Uh, did you, I tell you that I, uh, uh, I, I got to tell you this story, yeah. uh, but I really want to call our guest first. Oh. Uh, so uh, what else is going on in your world uh, for uh, uh, Avalon Hill? Uh, it depends on when people are listening. N- now-ish and or uh, three weeks from now. If it's potentially three <laughs> weeks from now, we have a lot to talk about, but I can't talk about it well, yet. Well, you can at least talk about PAX Unplugged. Well, I'll be at PAX Unplugged if yeah. anyone's going to PAX Unplugged. We can play some Betrayal at Baldur's Gate. And see some live games. That's right. Some D&D. Yeah, Dice Camera Action will be there uh, on uh, the Friday of PAX Unplugged. That's uh-huh. the 17th, I believe. And then on the 18th, uh, there will be an Acquisitions Incorporated game, both of them Dungeon Mastered by Chris Perkins. Awesome. Which should be pretty cool. Also on the 18th is the Force Grey Live Show. Oh, there, yeah. Yeah, we have a lot in going Brooklyn, in. New York. Uh, it's at a really cool space near where I used to live. 
like 10 blocks away from Aww. my old apartment. Oh, you were still there. You I know. just went to the game. And then I could have like rented out my apartment to you guys. I'd be like, here, go Airbnb check it out. Yeah, right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's very cool to have all of uh, the cast and Dungeon Master Matt Mercer there in Brooklyn. Brian Posehn won't be able to be there. Uh, he's booked on something else. But all of the ones in this uh, Lost City of Omu season are going to be there. And maybe a special guest will be there <gasps> as well. I don't I don't know who it is either because we don't it's, – it's undetermined. So that's on the 18th awesome. of November in uh, – we'll be live streaming it uh, as well. You can check it out. But, of course, the video on demand after the fact. Uh, and it will be the finale of the uh, fourth grade Lost City of Omu kind of season. The finale? Season. Yeah. I feel yeah. like it just started. I know, and there was right? twice as many episodes. There's a lot of episodes. Yeah. We got two episodes dropping tonight when we're recording this uh, on the twitch.tv slash dnd at Ooh. 5 p.m. Pacific time. So – Easy to catch up with all those there as That's well. Cool. Yeah, but yeah. you got a lot of fun uh, announcements happening at uh, Pax Unplugged, I hear. Maybe. No? One and a half. Yes? 1.5? 1.5. Nice. So you heard it here, folks. First, folks, 1.5. Uh, I, announcements coming from Shelly Mazinobel. I can't wait. Actually, okay, I'm not going to say anymore. Got it. But I can't wait. There I can't. will be. I'll spill something, Ryan. I'm not going to. How drunk do you think I am right now? Is there dice involved? God. Yes. All right. Well, we're just going to have to roll the dice and uh, make it happen. I love it. Uh, Extra Life is happening this upcoming weekend from when we're recording this. Yeah. When you listen to this, it may be already gone, but that doesn't mean you can't still contribute money to Seattle Children's Hospital, uh, as well as purchase uh, the Tortle package, which is on the Dungeon Masters Guild. that lets you play as an anthropomorphic tortle. Uh, as well as, uh, do you know that Chris Lindsay has his one grung above uh, yeah. up there as well yep. in PDF form? I think that's five bucks. Okay. And uh, all the stuff that wizards would get to that from 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 those sales go directly to our extra life to help so kids in school in hospitals. You're raising money. We're raising money right now. You personally, me, I know. Yeah, go to my page. We know our friend Lindsay, Lindsay Newsom, donated to your campaign. Thank so. you, Lindsay Newsom. Thank you for that. I heard that you rolled a a, a, a D three <laughs> to see who you're going to donate to, and I'm glad that I was the winner. Yes. Yes. Uh, and uh, yeah, we're continuing to raise as much as we can, uh, and that goes on I think we're uh, forever. Doing really well. Uh, yeah, exactly. Especially with all the stuff that we're selling on, yeah. on uh, the uh, Dungeon Masters Guild. When you factor that in, it's a lot of uh, funds going towards uh, helping kids. What and a chill. nice community. We yeah, have. for for reals. You D and D players. Thank you out there. Oh, you're uh, so nice. Very all of generous. you have gone to my Extra Life page uh, slash Greg Tito, and uh, you know I, I still need to know what my character is going to be. So you throw throw some yet? cash. Yeah. Oh, I was going to donate. I yeah. donated. I did donate. Good. But I donated to Bart. Uh, you know, I mean, is that really donating? I mean, it's like a joint account. (laughs) (laughs) You're basically just saying, hey, Bart, you you just donated yourself, your own money to it. (laughs) You did the work of putting in the credit card and all that information. He doesn't even know our account numbers. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, that is, uh, I think, all we're going to hit tonight. we got lots of stuff going on on twitch.tv slash D&D. As always, go check out all of the fun programming that's going on there. Over 50 hours of programming a week comes from this year channel uh, That's and crazy. we love it and we love everybody who subscribes to that channel you're all amazing folks uh, and all of that funds goes to just getting it back to the content creators in here making this channel even better which uh, which uh, we appreciate and love and I'm sure they do too give you hats off to them good job uh, all right let's uh, let's break up for uh, for a segment let's call uh, uh, either Matt Cernet Chris Perkins or Jamie Crawford to, to a little bag of l- lore lay see. some knowledge on us make it happen Bing bongs.
Welcome to another Lore You Should Know segment. I am Greg Tito, and I'm joined by these fantastic lore masters, Mr. Matt Cernit. Hello. And Chris Perkins. Howdy. We are going to talk about little bits of Dungeons & Dragons lore, as we do on this segment. And today is a very fascinating one uh, for you dragon lovers out there, because we get to hear about some of the named Wyrms of the Nerth. Uh, which it's pronounced that way <laughs> technically uh, because it's W-Y-R-M-S-E-R-T-H. That's official, you guys. You heard it here first. Nyrth. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, yeah, there's been a lot of uh, dragons that have been named over the years uh, in in the lore uh, as yes. well as – More in the Forgotten Realms than any of our other established worlds for yeah, sure. Yeah, and the idea of a named dragon is I think very yeah. evocative uh, to fantasy fans. I mean I think mm-hmm. Smaug – and yep. and all of those you you remember those the yep. first dragon you met and yep. and, and these yep. are yep. the dragons of the forgotten realms yep and evil D- ones D anyway. has has D and D has a few um, very well known evil dragons um, Tiamat of course being the biggest and baddest of the bunch but well, um, we're here to talk about some of her quote unquote children yeah so uh, what are some of the some of the the weirms and how they've uh, uh, been talked about in the in forgotten realms well there's a, there's a Crap ton of them. Uh, so there's there's been a bunch in various adventures of products over the years. Uh, but uh, Ed Greenwood did a series of articles called Worms of the North in Dragon Magazine um, for, oh gosh, over a, a dozen uh, issues. Yeah, I edited a bunch of them. I remember them well. Yeah. And, all in the brain pan and then there were, there were more. I guess they might have been the same articles that were put on the website, uh, Wizards website for a while. And so there was at one point an awesome little image. I'll turn my computer around and totally won't be able to see it, anybody at home, but uh, of like all the little uh, outlines of where their territories are in different colors. Oh, that's cool. I like that. Um, yeah, so it's basically the map of the Sword Coast with different mm-hmm. colored uh, uh, ovals or, or, yeah, or right, shapes. Little to be blotches like, oh, where yeah. they overlap and where they don't and all that kind of a thing. Yeah. And um, which color they are, right? Is that based on yeah, the color, more, more the or chromatic? or less what color they are. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. That's cool. Yeah. And, and so it's it's a lot of fun. And basically, there those those areas were sort of described in the articles because Ed would talk about it. it's from this place to this place that place, that place, and then, but that image, which you can probably still find somewhere online, um, it, it's called Worms underscore North underscore Territories dot If you gotta go search nice. for it, we'll throw it up there for sure. Um, but it's so, it's yeah. it's fun, and then there's just a ton of them that are just out there. There are. Um, so I figured maybe we can talk about a couple whites, a couple blacks, a couple greens, a couple blues, and a couple reds. I love it. It's, um, it's there, like we're playing magic. more than that. We're playing yeah, Magic absolutely. Gathering we here. We are playing Magic Gathering with dragons. <laughs> um, that's a weird quinky dink. Yeah. Um, so uh, one of the uh, most terrifying white dragons of the north is a big thug named Arothator. Uh, he has appeared most recently in... Uh, R.A. Salvatore's Dritz novels. Mm-hmm. Um, he played an important and devastating role in the attack on Nesme and uh, in the, the, the war of the Silver Marches. And uh, Arathator also appeared in our first uh, fifth edition adventure um, books, the uh, Horde of the Dragon Queen slash The Rise of Tiamat. Uh, we, f- we featured his lair a giant glacier called Oya Vigaton. And uh, you get to stomp around in Arathator's lair while he's there or while he's not and, and find there are like people living on his uh, glacier. And, uh, do they, and do they worship uh, Arathator? Uh, they, they kind of fear Arathator and he keeps them alive um, mostly so that he can, you know, enjoy their fear. <laughs> um, 
Is that, and he's a, white, of, a white dragon? He is a big white dragon, yes. Ancient, yep. Ancient, ancient, ancient white dragon, and he lives in the Sea of Moving Ice, mm. um, way, way, way up in the north where, you know, you might find big giant walruses and killer whales and not much else because um, it's darn cold up there. And is that what he eats or does he yeah, usually uh, – so, as, as, so white dragons are not particularly bright and that's true of white dragons in the realms as well. Um, that's why I sort of described him as a thug um, because he's just a big – terror and just um, that sort of swoops down uh, shark-like and devours. Um, that's not to say he can't be reasoned with. Uh, in fact um, – Good luck uh, if you don't speak dr- draconic yeah. though. <laughs> yeah, if you don't speak draconic, it will be very, very, very hard uh, to stop him from eating you. Um, so uh, your best bet is to try to outwit him or hide from him or whatever and just let him go about his business. Um, and, that makes uh, sense. His nickname is Old White Death. Oh. <laughs> Not Mr. Fuzzy. Yeah. <laughs> Good old white death. Good old white death. Yes. <laughs> One of the things about the Dragons of the Forgotten Realms is that they often have really, really hard to pronounce names. And then uh, Ed did us the favor of giving most of them a nickname as well. So <laughs> to spare us the pain of having to trip over their, yeah. their name. So, you know, Dargothoth, yes. you know, is the Creeping Doom. Okay, got okay. it. Got it. The Creeping Doom. <laughs> yeah, I can pronounce that. That's much easier. Yeah. Um, another, another ancient white dragon that lives in Arathator's neck of the woods is also a dragon that he has, and I use the term loosely, tried to court mm. from time to time. Um, she is Arveacharis, uh, and uh, she also um, lives way up in the middle of frozen nowhere. Um, her uh, ice claws, I think, is her That's her nickname? Uh, I'll have to look it up. Uh, and uh, She's a little demented. Um, she has when you, when anybody sees her, she has a rider on her back. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And what you realize when you get close to her is that that rider is actually a dead wizard's corpse that she's basically strapped to her body and talks to as if it's still alive. Oh, jeez. Yeah, she's her nickname is actually the White Worm. Oh, that's it. Uh, okay. Spelled with a O this time. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> But yeah, why yeah. is she, was that an, an old paramour of horror? A companion. Hers? Okay. Yeah, uh, they 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 got along well for a number of years, and as old wizards do, they die. <laughs> Probably had a heart attack or got hit by a flying piece of ice or something, and uh, she kept him around um, and never really got over the the loss of him. Yeah. So she was living on. Um Let's see, uh, the Ice Peak, um, somewhere up in the frozen north there. And apparently that wizard's name was Meltharond, and she was sort of the um, companion and, and mount and servant of this super powerful wizard, Meltharond. And he died, and she just kept on... Kept on trucking. <laughs> <laughs> Kept the spirit alive. Everything's fine. Yeah. Everything's yeah. fine. He's a very good, very good wizard. So, so she's a secretly broken creature um, with tremendous power at her disposal, but she's also kind of a, a lonely, isolated figure, a sort of demon of the north. Yeah. Um, not as mean as, as Anarotic. Uh, well, but. not as – I wouldn't uh, – Arathator is avaricious and, mm-hmm. and he marauds. Um, she sort of coasts around and has conversations with her dead friend and occasionally swoops down and grabs a yeti and eats it. Um, she's known to, she's known to um, drift over the Icewind Dale um, and numerous sightings of her there. 
uh, ragged barbarians know better than to stay out in the open when she surfs by just in case she is hungry enough to dip down and snatch one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, but, you know, reindeer are more her thing than, you know, then, smashing into Bryn Shander and stealing a bunch of people up in the off the street. But if pushed or if, you know, someone mm-hmm. insults her, uh, yeah. her her wizard rider or calls yeah. it, maybe even just calls attention to the fact that he's not alive anymore, <laughs> yes. I feel like that would uh, be... It's a, worth noting oh. that both Arathator and Arviatris have had children. Uh, those children still are, are laying claim to their own small domains in the north and in the Great Glacier and elsewhere. Uh, one of them was encountered and killed in uh, uh, one of the more recent Dritz novels okay. after it became the mount to uh, uh, Tiago. Um, Dritz's uh, enemy. Got it. Uh, Ice Claws actually is another nickname, and also the white worm is spelled with a Y. Okay. So, <laughs> all right, then. <laughs> all in the She's same product. She's got two same products. Very good. Nicknames. Okay, great. Thanks, Ed. <laughs> That's probably not Ed. That's probably not Ed. That's oh, okay. probably Ed. <laughs> Nice. All right. So white dragons, we got uh, we covered them. Uh, yes. So if we go up the chain of power, the next we'd go to is the blacks. All right. And I'd love to talk a little bit about uh, Varagamanthar. Yeah. He is a black worm that lives in the Mirror of Dead Men, which is a cold swamp on the, sa- on the Sword Coast, mm-hmm. uh, north of Waterdeep. And Matt, do you want to talk a little bit about the mirror? And- Oh, it's appeal gosh. to black dragons. Um, so uh, the Mirror of Dead Men is is um, is a a swamp that was made um, in an ancient um, time when basically uh, uh, it's one of the, the the Forgotten Realms. There was basically yeah. a, a, kingdom be a kingdom there. There and there was a, a war happening between two sides. Two sort of I think they were brothers. Um, and uh, for the throne, essentially, and um, they appealed to this powerful wizard who used to be a f- sort of family friend. Iniarv, I think is his yeah, name. Iniarv. And he, you know, they said, hey, Iniarv, help us out in this battle. Come on. <laughs> and <laughs> he, he overreacted. <laughs> I don't know. Iniarv had, his in, solution was a little, um, shall we say, over the top. Oh, no. <laughs> Iniarv, in the meantime, uh, unbeknownst to them, had become a lich. Uh, and his solution to the problem was basically drowning everyone. Um, so he used, sides. Uh, yeah. he used a spell to basically draw the sea into the land and drown everyone for miles and miles and miles. I mean, not just the armies, like everybody. Yeah. And when the um, sea washed out, what was left was basically this swamp yeah, and it full became, of ruins. It became mm. a swamp filled with ruins, essentially. And, and so it's kind of yeah. like this cold, um, swampy area uh, north of Waterdeep. Perfect for a black dragon yes. to, to make its lair. Yes, and so Varagamanthar uh, is known to dwell there. Um, what is not known, one of the greatest secrets of the region, is that he has a twin brother, Ware Verendor, and uh, he they go to great lengths to hide this fact. So if you go there thinking you're going to go fight one dragon, mm-hmm. what usually happens is the other one sneaks up behind you and the two together make short work of you. Uh, and as long as no one is able to see the two of them together. That's right. They've, they've, the they've managed to preserve the notion that it's just the one dragon. Um, and so Varagamanthar is the one that is known and where Verendor is the one who is secret. Mm. Um, but they are very, very tight. Uh, they are always working in concert. Uh, to overcome perceived enemies and to secure their domain, which they basically claim to the mirror as their domain. Mm. Um, They are the biggest, baddest dragons in that area. Um, They figured prominently in um, an adventure 
that was published in Dungeon um, called Eye of Merkel. It was the culmination of a series of adventures set in the Mirror of Dead Man, a five-part series. Mm. Uh, That's cool. That, Are uh, twins common in amongst dragons? No. Because no. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first it, it, I've ever it, it, heard of it. They came right? out of one egg. It yeah. has to be in the same yeah. egg. Yeah. 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 That's and, fascinating. And sibling, um, just siblings living with one another among dragons is just super rare. There's a couple yes. other places in the realms that I can think of off the top of my head where that's the case. Where, but that's usually where there's sort of like a, a, a mother or father dragon or both. Asserting some control. Yeah, just sort of really dominating the, the younger children and making them work together and stuff like that. Right, because they're usually, once they get up an age, they, yes. they fight for resources. Right. Yes, they fight for exactly. everything. Yeah, my sheep. Yeah, yeah. interesting. All right. Well, that's that's, yeah. a, that's a cool little detail about those black dragons. Is, mm-hmm. is there another black dragon, or were those the two? That I figured those are the two we could yeah, talk about. That makes sense. Um, uh, What's uh, so the next up the chain would be the green dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the best known is Old Gnawbone. She lives in the Crypt Garden Forest, and her real name is Cloggy Liamatar. <laughs> I um, love you, Chris Perkins. <laughs> what's striking? What's striking about her is that she is old. And uh, the reason they call her Old Gnawbone is that when she's usually sighted in the air, it's beca- uh, what you see is this big, old, sort of battered dragon uh, gnawing on what appears to be a corpse. And she just sort of lets it hang out of her mouth as she's mm. just kind of absently chewing on it. Like a cud? Yeah, like a cud. Um, so that's kind of gross. It is gross. The other interesting thing about her is she is uh, fascinated with... Uh, the happenings in the world. Uh, but she basically confined, she stays for the most part in her territory, but she's hoarded a collection of crystal balls that she uses to scry on far flung people and places, basically to keep tabs on everything. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that um, she was featured in a organized play event, um, I think, a couple years ago. It was, it was, I think just at the start yeah. of fifth edition or so. Uh, yeah. But that's. Yeah. Um, she has a minor role in Storm King's Thunder. You can basically go and talk to her <laughs> uh, at great potential risk to yourself uh, as, as part of a sort of side quest. Um, but she, she is very reclusive and kind of like a lot of, like most green dragons being lawful evil, she will adhere to her agreements, but at the same time twist them where possible to her advantage. Right, right. Makes sense. Uh, uh, old Nabones. Old Nabone. Yeah, she is a she is a beast. Um, what's a, what's another green we can talk about? Uh, Moragoth. Moragoth is another one. Um, but she lives in the Misty Forest, I believe. I think that's right. Yeah. Um, which is sort of a sort of an uh, elf hangout. Yeah. So I'm trying to remember details about her. That's yeah, Morn Mornagoth, I think. Mornagoth? I think there's an N in there. Yeah, it's either Moragoth or Monagoth. I can't yeah, remember. The Moor Dragon, Mornagoth. Um and uh she's in sort of the the high moor area and let's see, she um she's the fan of the cult of the dragon, which, you know, hey. So <laughs> most yeah. would be most would be right, yeah. and probably and there is probably the old cult of the dragon, the ones who are making right. dracoliches. So, uh, I believe that uh, she has a number of children also uh, scattered around. I think uh, one of her 
one of her brood is named Chuth, C-H-U-T-H. Chuth. Yep. He hunts elves for sport. Mm. Yeah, um, Morningoth actually, uh, according to the third edition, um, Dragons of Faerun, which, by the way, if you want to learn about dragons in, in Forgotten Realms, Dragons of Faerun, that's the place to go, nice. uh, is a Dracolich, actually. And Great. she travels around to several different locations via magical portals. So that's uh, – <laughs> whoa. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, real quick, the Quarrels of the Dragon, the old ones, how they mm-hmm. created Dracoliches. Yes. Can we talk just real quick about that? Yeah, sure. Um, they created Dracoliches. <laughs> <laughs> basically, if there was a Dracolich to be created, the Cult of the Dragon was behind it. Yeah. The, the Cult of the Dragon basically uh, existed um, – uh, it gets really complicated because it has to do with a character called Sam Esther, who was originally one of the chosen of Mistra and so on and so forth. Um, but uh, the the cult of the dragon basically believed that um, Dracoliches are going to control the world, and so we need to basically make it happen. So there's mm-hmm. this weird apocalyptic cult that's trying to go around and convince dragons to become Dracoliches in order to to make this dominion over the world happen. Uh, so they're kind of crazy. And <laughs> in a specific, kind, a specific yeah, right. way. But right. what they're offering is pretty tempting to a dragon who's, you know, lived for 400 years. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, if, and then this, uh, she can travel through these magical portals yeah. to anywhere. She has great power. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and it's still around, I guess, in the Forgotten Realms. Yeah. True? We haven't said that she's died off or anything or has been killed or destroyed. It's actually pretty hard to destroy a Dracolich um, yeah. forever. Yeah. So have a, get on it, adventurers. Yeah, have a like weirder version of of destruction too, as well. So like, I, and in, and I'm not sure if we preserved it in fifth edition or not. I don't. I don't recall. So because it used to be that you'd you'd make a drag lich and it, uh, the drag lich uh, didn't have like a phylactery in the same way as a normal lich. Um, like if it, its its spirit would go into like the body of some other lizard nearby. And then that lizard would go back and eat the bones of the Dracolich and then become the Dracolich again. Oh. Or something strange. It was, That's pretty complicated. <laughs> 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 like, yeah, go smaller, then go bigger. <laughs> and all of a sudden you're the most powerful being in the world. Yeah. So it was very strange. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, uh, so those are the greens. Uh, do we want to do blues? Blues. Um, well, one that we showcased recently was Imrith, uh, the dragon of the statues who lives in the Anorak Desert. And uh, she uh, basically lives in these old sand-buried ruins. And the reason they call her the Dragon of the Statues is because she knows magic that allows her to create gargoyles. And gargoyles help guard her lair. Um, I'm not spoiling anything here by saying she is the main villain in Storm King's Thunder. At this point, I'm sure most people know that. Um, Spoilers. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Uh, we went to great lengths to try to hide that. We uh, did for a long time. For a long time. Um, I think the cat's out of the bag. The cat is out of the bag. The dragon's out of the bag, too. <laughs> and uh, so it was a, sort of our first real opportunity in 5th edition to take one of the Worms of the North and feature it centrally in the plot of a story about giants. Um, building on this idea that giants and dragons have a long history of violence and conflict and ancient wars fought between them for control over supremacy over the lands and realms of the world. And uh, it is very possible that with the help of giants, you can kill Imrith at the end of Storm King's Thunder. It's also equally likely that she'll kill you. Um, or escape uh, right. uh, to, to survive yes. another day. And in that adventure, uh, 
she appears to the characters in uh, not only draconic form, but in the form of a storm giantess, uh, because she has infiltrated the giants to basically compound their problems um, and and weaken them across the world. Uh, another interesting uh, blue dragon, very, very different in tone, is Alathontor, uh, who is called the Minstrel Worm, Minstrel I believe. Minstrel Worm. Ooh, it like is that. a blue dragon um, who I believe lairs near, nearer to the coast, who is fascinated with music mm. um, and, and uh, has an admiration for and adoration for those who can uh, play cool. music well. That's pretty cool. I like giving... She's a groupie. Very strong human-like qualities to these evil, yeah. large beasts. Yes. Uh, it's very yeah. fascinating to me. Yeah, I think, I think it just makes them more relatable and uh, in terms of being antagonists or allies of the characters if, they can, if, if players can relate to them on some human level. Yeah, and then also, I mean, that's a great example. If there's a bard in your uh, uh, retinue, like you can very yeah. easily try to curry favor with uh, uh, mm-hmm. that one. What's, our, what's the name one called again? Alathantor. Alathantor. She's still neutral, or sorry, lawful evil. Um, so beware. Yeah, never a good thing. But uh, yeah. I've known some evil groupies in my time. I don't think she actually plays an instrument, but maybe she does. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I'm trying to find that. Um, the one I was thinking was there's the uh, bunch of hobgoblins and sort of half dragon hobgoblins that are uh, called the Blood of Maroom uh, or Maureen. And they are in uh, what's the, the let's see it's Dragon Doom Mountain hmm. at Doom Spire Castle <laughs> on the Doom Plains <laughs> next to Doom Town next to Bob Doom but <laughs> yes. but that's that's one of those instances where there's <laughs> where there's like a basically a, a mother dragon who's bossing around younger dragons but in this case they're also bossing around a whole bunch of hobgoblins as well so it's yeah. kind of fun. That is fun. Uh, as a side note, uh, adding to that, there are instances throughout the, the realms in the western heartlands in the north of uh, half-dragons, um, humans who have allowed their blood to become uh, f- uh, melded with that of dragons to create half-dragon spawn. And that's uh, there's, a, there's a family that lives in the High Moor um, who have a bunch of half-black dragon members, uh, nice. for instance, and they're terrible and probably best avoided at all costs. Yes. Well, that is also one of the ideas of how sorcerers have their power. Right? Yes. Is because yeah. there's been yeah. dragon blood yeah. that's yeah. been yeah. passed down. Absolutely. Um, so then finally, our final group is uh, so red dragons. Our final group is red dragons, the biggest and baddest. Uh, oops, sorry. My phone is ringing. I should have shut that off. No worries. It's not like we're recording a podcast or anything. Hi, man. <laughs> oh, that's my contractor. I'll have to get back to him. Okay. we got um, five minutes because we yes. just got to do our, our red so, dragons here. Um, Clouth. Is old Snarl. Uh, he is a big, um, hulking, magnificent beast uh, who has fought so many battles that he's got scars, basically all over his body. Um, when he was first, when I first read the article that Ed sent in for Worms of the North, one of the things that made me burst out laughing when I read it is this idea that he is. Um, uh, 
He's, a, like many dragons, a collector of magic items, but he actually uses them in battle. Uh, he straps wands to his wings, basically, and goes around like a fighter jet, <laughs> strafing people with them. Pew, 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 pew. No way! Yes, exactly. That is cool. Which is, which is kind of weird, because, I mean, his breath weapon would already basically just incinerate <laughs> half a town, uh, but he's still got these, like, wands of lightning bolts and things strapped to his wings, uh, just to give him even more firepower. I feel like um, that's a, uh, uh, you know, he's a long-lost relative of Jim Dart magic. A little bit. Yeah. In fact, uh, he made an appearance in an Acquisitions Inc. live game, and rather than confront him, they threw all their treasure overboard <laughs> at him, and he let good, them. Good he plan. gave him a pass. Um, <laughs> but he was so infatuated with their airship that he actually built one of his own, and that appeared in uh, the Waffle Crew um, dice camera action. Nice. They met to the crew of a ship that he built, modeled after the Acquisitions Inc. ship that he saw that threw treasure at him. Um, so do red dragons often craft things? Not personally. No. Um, but he had the plans and thought about it. But, but he's a... Build he, an airship. Build a what? <laughs> it looks like this. What is I'm that? Putting the mental image the worst picture mind. I've ever seen. Um, yeah, he's not much of an artist. Um, <laughs> but he, uh, a creature that powerful can assert its will over other creatures and make them do crazy things. Um, and Clouth being chaotic evil is no stranger to crazy. Makes sense. Um, what's interesting is he's got his own veil. Yes, um, Clouth and Veil. Clouth and Veil. It is, it is a large veil amid the spine of the world mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, this sort of kind of little oasis of decent weather surrounded by blustery cold and pointy, jagged, ice-covered peaks and things where he herds cattle and keeps basically a ready food supply mm. so that he never goes hungry any time of the year. He's got a realm um, of his own. He's got his own little empire up there uh his little home away from home nobody else goes there nobody else goes there (laughs) um it's it's kind of it's an in some respects it's an odd place for a red dragon you think of red dragons like to you know hide in volcanoes and things like that and the spine of the world is about as cold and isolated and as you can imagine um but there are times when a red dragon just needs to get away from it all and uh, Clouth has figured out that he can lay claim to there and there's really nothing around that can challenge him. No one's going to be fighting him. No other it. red dragons to uh, burden him or, or encroach upon his territory and so he's pretty confident that he'll be able to survive for indefinitely um, in that situation. Sweet. Is there another red dragon we wanted to uh, cover? Oh, there are a number. Um, one of the go-to ones is I think Balagos. Balagos. Um, he's farther I to the south. Yes. What, what is he of the south? He's farther to the south. Oh, um, farther so to the south. Like uh, the more towards uh, Tethyr and Am. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where where his territory is. That's that's sort of less the north than than sort of yeah. the rest of the. Sword I'm trying Coast to remember setting. what his handle is. His um, what they refer to him as. Uh, it's a his nickname. Me. See if I can get there faster. Yes. You can. <laughs> the what? flying flame. The flying flame. Oh, that's a good. That's a good nickname for a red dragon. Yeah, that makes sense. He Does, flies. Is, he breathes flame. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Combine the two. Yeah, got some alliteration going on. Yeah. What's uh? What is his characteristics? Well, Balagos. Let's find out. Uh, da, 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 da. He. He eats Boy Scouts. <laughs> no. <laughs> and Girl Scouts. And Girl Scouts. Yes. Oh gosh, he 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 stopped a war by burning down both cities. That's that's nice. <laughs> he stopped a war by burning down both yeah. sides. Yes. My memory of my memory of him, uh, based on the article uh, that Ed wrote, is that he is like a flying apocalypse. Yeah, uh, that when he gets himself into a lather, he just goes on a absolute tear. 
and everybody within 400 miles just goes completely insane. Mm. Yeah, there were two two cities, Salmer and Mintar, that were uh, that were having a war. And You're making too much noise. <laughs> Quiet. <laughs> yes. He got upset, and so he decided to destroy both of their armies, make sure neither could have enough of an army to mount an incredible attack on one another. And wow. Peace was made. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Chaotic evil red dragon. You really saved yes. the day, buddy. Yes. That's pretty interesting, yeah. though. Like, I, I can imagine him being like, oh, this was too loud. I'm just trying to rest. Or, yeah, you know, and like, you can imagine that in the world that we describe, a creature that big and that destructive um, would be pretty hard to stop. Yeah. Um, it's a wonder that any cities can be built in the north when you account for how many dragons live there. He is one of the ones that nobody can really keep in check. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things with dragons is, is that, you know, Yes, they could, like, rip all the roofs off houses and eat the people inside. But there are things like herds of deer and sheep and, like, right. you know, yes. there are, there's easier the, prey. There like, are things that are going to stab them with pitchforks, yeah, yeah, and probably tastier too. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, so, like, and, yeah. and you, can, you can usually kill them by just breathing on them. So you don't have to go, like, right. you know, upset right. anyone. Yes, and the children of sheep aren't going to come and avenge their dead parents. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> no sheep wizards are going to show up and start casting spells. Now I want to play that character. I want to play that sheep. They're like, we must burn together. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, guys. I love I love hearing about these again because I just think I think that they're great villains. And obviously, it's in the title, Dungeons and & Dragons. And I think having named dragons that have personality that you can remember from, from Sessions and Session makes it even more uh, flavorful and awesome. So thank you for that. That makes sense. Uh, how can people find out about more about dragons? I'm sure there's more uh, worms of the north in your head that you could uh, uh, spout off their names to people. There are, um, but I'm not going to right now. But if, if anybody <laughs> wants to know more about dragons uh, as pertains to the worlds of Dungeons & Dragons, you can contact me at, on Twitter at Chris Perkins DND. And what about you, Mr. Cernet? I am at Cernet, S-E-R-N-E-T-T. Awesome. All right, thank you guys so much. Uh, I'm at Greg Tito. Don't ask me about Worms of the North or I'll pronounce it Weerms of the Neerth again. Yes. Uh, uh, thank you very much. We'll be back with another segment uh, next week. such a good segment. I really enjoyed talking to uh, uh, what we learned I mean, from there. I like hearing you talk to Do you listen him. to that segment, but you don't listen to yourself? That makes no, sense to me. No. Yeah. No. No. Uh, that makes sense? Because is it the sound of your voice? Yes. It, yeah, Yeah, but it's so musical. And the things that it says. <laughs> <laughs> it's the sound of your voice and the things that come out of it. Uh, that's crazy. Uh, no so. Words. Yeah, I, I think uh, this is all about building you up, Shelley. You do good work. Thank you. I hear it's a really good podcast. <laughs> People tell me, but I've never listened to it. It's People have said they enjoy it. That's good stuff. <laughs> uh, well, let's uh, let, let's uh, call up Graham and we'll uh, Speaking pick, of pick good his podcast. I know, right? That was a good segue. <laughs> let's have one. Hello. Hello. Hey. Oh. How's it going? Pretty good. Yourself? Good. You're sounding uh, uh, pretty crisp. I like I know. it. No, it sounds like you're right here with us. Right on. Nice. Uh, so, Graham, this is Greg, uh, and we also have Shelly. How you doing, Graham? Great, Shelly. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for calling in. Are you calling in from, uh, from uh, British Columbia, Canada? Yes. Oh, yep. lovely. You're our neighbor to the north. It's true. 
Very nice. So we were uh, wondering about the very unique spelling of your first name. Uh, yes, uh, that is the Gaelic spelling. Oh, okay. I like it. Yep. So people probably messed it up all the time. Yes, <laughs> frequently. <laughs> yes. You just write your, just spell it uh, as a matter of course at this time, right? Yeah, I, th- I think the best spelling I got was someone managed to cram all the possible combinations into a single attempt. <laughs> like it was like G-R-A-H-E-A-M-E. Oh my God. Yeah. It's like when you go to the Starbucks or yeah, something like that, right? Starbucks would have a real hard time with that. I know. Mm-hmm. I usually spell out my last name each time because people will immediately get it wrong. They so. don't they can't do Tito? I know, you'd think that'd be an easy one, but it's always it's always messed up. So I just spell it out as a matter of course. Yeah. Things you do yep. in life. Uh, but Graham, we wanted to talk to you uh, about, you know, your history of, uh, of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, you've been playing for a long time. Uh, as well, you're in, you're in the military as well. Yes. Uh, we have heard many, many times of uh, folks who play in active military as well as veterans. And, you know, I think this might be the first time we were actually speaking to uh, a service member yeah. uh, uh, about it. So we're really excited about that as well. Oh, yeah. Um, any questions you guys have, I'm more than happy to answer. Sweet. So like top secret information? <laughs> yeah, right. So no, what no, is no, Cana- Canadia planning? Uh, <laughs> 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 invading Cascadia, I think, is what's going to happen. Uh, so, yeah, well, why don't we start at the beginning? When did you, when did you start playing Dungeons & Dragons? We always like to get the, the origin story of what uh, your first session was like and, and what hooked you and, and all that. Um, actually, my, my first session, it was in, I think, 1992 or 1993. Uh, we were over to a friend's place. Uh, his dad had a bunch of first edition books from when he was younger, and we convinced uh, my buddy to let us make characters and try to play a game. And uh, it did not go well. Uh, it ended up with like our characters in jail, and yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> that how was did, my first go. How did, how did that happen? Um, I made a first level, uh, fighter magic user thief and tried to pick somebody's pocket. Oh, um, nice. Oh. Yeah. When you got like a 3% chance of succeeding. Yeah. That did not pan out as well as hoped. How old so, were you? Uh, oh, geez. Um, maybe. Oh, geez. Uh, like 13 what? maybe. Okay. 12, 13, somewhere in there. No, oh, that seems about right. Yeah. That's, I feel like that's a 13-year-old kid, and you're like, you give him, oh, you can do anything in this game. You know, yeah, that's, oh, that's the first pocket. thing they would do. Yeah. Totally. And th- then you try to do anything and realize that it's not as possible as exactly. you hope. You can try anything. That's the operative word there. Yes. <laughs> so it didn't end well. Your character went to jail, but there was something about it that, that still uh, captivated you, or did you stop playing for a while? Actually, um, after that... Um, I didn't actually get back into D&D until about maybe 1994, 95. Mm-hmm. Um, what's it? Some friends had uh, different friends. Dad had some other games that we played <laughs> um, from a, from a different uh, different company. Nice. And then, you, you can um, talk about those. That's OK. No worries. OK. Uh, yeah, it was uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and other strangeness. Oh, oh. I know. Yeah. But I think that's what got Bart into. Really? Role playing. I didn't realize that was a game. It, it very much is. And it's. It's based on the Eastman and Laird Ninja Turtles, so it's not as not as nice or kid friendly as uh, <laughs> as the stuff that was on TV. Right. But uh, yeah, that sort of got me into it. And then um, yeah, in high school, and uh, then at my first go to university, I got more into playing Second Edition, and we played that a lot. Mm. Um, and then yeah, Third Edition came out, we played that. Fourth Edition, we skipped, and yeah, now we're on to Fifth. 
What uh, were you always a, a player, or did you uh, dungeon master a lot as well? Uh, I'd say it's been about fifty fifty. That's cool. Do you like do, 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 you, know, you like doing both? I guess. I do. I do. I, I think like just about anyone else, I prefer to play, but um, I, I, I've definitely found enjoyment in uh, DMing games. Hmm. Are you still drawn to the thief, magic user, pickpocket types? No, no, no. That that was a very brief phase. Uh, <laughs> a lot of my characters now tend to be uh, fighters or rangers or oh. stuff like that. That makes occasional, sense. Occasional magic user. And now, are you you're doing a homebrew campaign now? Is that what I read? Yes. What's the What's that like? Fun. Um, <laughs> One word to describe that. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's it, it's good. It's a uh, it, it, it's a world that's sort of been kicking around for a long time in bits and pieces, and we've just sort of assembled it together into one whole, and it seems to be working out pretty nicely. Now, are you DMing that one, or are you playing in that? Um, I played for a bit, and then um, I started to get more into the creative side of it, and then I started doing more of the DMing, and yeah, I've got a hex map uh, creation uh, that's our game world and all that sort of stuff. I used a hexographer. To make what? it so. Oh, neat. Yeah. That I was pl- awesome. Yeah, I played a lot around with some of those uh, uh, digital map making stuff. I'm not familiar with that one, but that's, I, I, I want to I be better at that. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Takes a lot of work. Yeah, 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 it does. That is really cool. Yeah. So, with, I've never played in a homebrew campaign. Is it, does the whole party contribute to the campaign, or is it more of the dungeon master's job to it, create it, that world? It really depends on the, uh, on the individual group. Um, I've been in some homebrew campaigns where it's entirely been uh, the DM doing all the uh, all the heavy lifting and all the world creation and stuff. I've been in others where it's been a very um, contributive sort of thing where players come up with ideas and backgrounds and stuff like that. And then the DM's integrated those concepts and plans into his game. So mm. That's cool. Yeah, that is cool. Um, so yeah, would you, uh, are, do you play with mostly other service members now or are you, uh, is it, you know, what, what's, yeah. Tell me about your group, I guess is what I'm asking. Um, no, my, my group is, um, entirely, uh, civvy friends. Um, what's it, uh, my friends that I played with, um, when I was, uh, doing stuff more actively, like I'm, I'm a reservist in Canada, which is a little bit different than it is down there because oh. we're, we, um, we train throughout the entire year mm-hmm. and we have, it's it's kind of like a hybrid between your your reserve and your national guard sort of operation, hmm. um, but for a while I was uh, doing full time army stuff, uh, and at that point, through some bizarre fluke, there just happened to be a bunch of other people in the same troop that I was in who played D and D, and we embarked on some fairly epic and crazy adventures. <laughs> I um, bet. Can yeah. you t- tell us what was what's the indicative uh, event of uh, one of those crazy adventures? Uh, my character, uh, I was DMing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a, a homebrew setting uh, called the Warm Seas, and the characters decided that instead of spending their money on like new armor and magical doodads and all that sort of stuff, that instead they were going to found their own merchant company and go out and like conquer some islands and see where that went and they ended up like their characters ended up marrying into like the local aristocracy and they went to war against the nation that had originally like gave them the money the startup capital to get going and yeah it, it went off the rails fast uh it was a great campaign it was fantastic it was really cool to see them coming up with stuff and 
uh, their, their plans and how they did things. So, yeah, we just kept going with it. That's super fun. I love I love games like that 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 are almost uh, I wouldn't say simulationist, but at least like okay, here's the world and this is how you would react if you were playing at like you know the Lord slash you know governmental scale of, of things rather than just plucky adventurers. You know? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's true. Cool. Uh, so yeah, what's, uh, and I, I guess I wanted to go down the track of the, the, the service men room. Like, do you have a lot of, uh, people who you, uh, are in the same company with or whatever that, that like talk about Dungeons and Dragons a lot? Cause I, like I said, we feel like we hear it a lot, but I don't yeah, know how pervasive it really is. Um, there's a handful, like I, there's a handful of guys in my unit that I know, uh, play D and D and other, other various fantasy games and all that stuff and mm-hmm. are really into it. But it's um, it's not really something like you like you won't walk into the mess and hear about and hear some guys talking about their latest campaign over a beer or something like that. It's sort of like you'll be walking by as they're talking. You look over and like you guys talking about D and D. Like <laughs> maybe why? I'm like that's cool. Well, what, what are you guys doing? And then uh, <laughs> and that's, that sort of opens it up. But yeah, it's um, maybe I like yeah. that. <laughs> I don't know. You're, you're talking about D and D. That's pretty much it. <laughs> Failed your bluff check there. <laughs> well, that's, it seems like a good thing to do in your downtime. That's a oh, good, it is. You know, it's it's a great way to exercise your imagination. Um, just sort of like break break out of the monotony of day to day army stuff. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Right. Because it, it, it is not nearly as exciting as it is in the movies. So. I would, I would bet, right? Yeah. Do, do you have plenty of time to play D and D? Uh like when we're uh, doing army stuff, or just in yeah. general. When you're doing your army stuff. Uh just uh, pretend your boss isn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, 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 it's an after work thing. Okay. Um, like it's uh, you know you have your regular working day, um, and then you go home, have dinner, and you know, if it's D and D night, you go over to Buddy's place, or they come over, and you play D and D on exercise. You're probably not going to get a lot of D and D played because everybody is like tired, covered in camouflage paint, and just not really feeling the imagination at that point. <laughs> right, you're kind of doing it in real life at that point. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> all day, like really playing. Yeah, but not playing. Yeah, I could see. <laughs> You know, when you're I, I, on exercise means that you're, you know, in the in the process of, of uh, uh, running through things. Is that is that what that means? Yeah, you're, you're like you're out in the field, um, you know, like you're you're doing you're doing all of your regular sort of army stuff like you're in my case, you know, we're, we're, we're a, uh, an armored reconnaissance unit. And so, you know, my my day consists of, you know, waking up, uh, getting orders, um, making my own orders, giving orders, uh, crews mount up in the vehicles. Out we go, you know, do our trace. Um, what's it if we run into anything, then go through contact and all that sort of stuff. Uh, finish the trace, come back, report in everything that happened, and get my next set of orders. Wow. So I, I have like five to six hours a day to call my own, maybe, if I'm lucky. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right, so and yeah, those, it, those hours you can't really fill up with, uh, uh, you know, imagining in, a, in, a, in another world, uh, per se. It's mostly sleep, I, I'd imagine. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, like, for example, we, when uh, we were up, I uh, went up to do the, um, up to the fires there this year with the Army uh, here in Canada. And, yeah, like, you, you spend all day looking for, you know, hot spots and uh, 
and culturally and walking around, uh, you know, doing all that stuff. And at the end of the day, you're like, you know, do I want to play D&D or do I want to sleep? Yeah. <laughs> sleep. That sounds better. We often ask ourselves the same question. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, but that's got you got to see a lot of really uh, exciting terrain and, and things like that that's got to inform your game a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Um, like the, the things that I've seen uh, on deployment and on leave and all sorts of stuff has definitely expanded uh, my concepts for you know, terrain ideas and things like that. I mean, I went on leave to the island of Bali, which I strongly recommend wow. to anybody that does who sound cool. has a yeah. chance. I mean, they, they have, there's like, there's jungles, there's volcanoes, there's a monkey temple, there's a temple out in like the middle of a bay. Um, amazing stuff underwater. Oh, uh, God. It, Sounds yeah, like a world. The, the, the place is amazing. Uh, it's one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. Um, and then like parts of Afghanistan, like, different parts of Afghanistan all look different. So, you know, you sort of go from the idea of a sandy desert um, to like, okay, you know, there's rocky deserts. There's, you know, big piles of stone. There's this, there's that, how things look. And yeah, when we were in Cyprus um, doing our, our decompression uh, leave before we came home, uh, mm-hmm. I, I was a huge archaeology nerd when I was there the first time. Just monstrously huge. I went on all the archaeology things that were available. That's cool. And, you know, like you're seeing, like, Roman mosaics and plumbing, and there's, like, they had a church there that was, like, 900 years old or something and still active. Whoa. That was in, like, the middle of a bunch of, like, Roman ruins. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, it just sort of really expanded, like, like, okay, like, so this is what this sort of thing would look like, or this is something that I could... Put my put put the players into, or make my character be from, or something like that. Right. So many of of Dungeons and Dragons kind of tropes deals with ruins and tracking through things and being yeah. on those like architectural type you know places. Yeah. Um. So even just the language you use to describe them, or you might have a mental picture in your head from from something that you've seen. Yeah, that's so way cool. easier to draw upon than you know just making stuff up on on the fly. Yeah, it it, it has been a huge help. Have uh, you ever thought about writing anything for the DMs Guild? I feel like there's a really good book in here. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I have thought about it, um, and I'm, I'm still tossing the idea around because um, there, there are a bunch of things that I've, I've had sort of bumping around in my head uh, that I think would be good to add to the DMs Guild, but I haven't gotten around to putting pen to paper yet. Um, well, in your five to six hours a day, <laughs> I guess. Copious spare time. I exactly. guess yeah. we'll have to wait a little longer, but yeah. hopefully. I do feel like yeah. there's that's really interesting to – the way that, I mean, you've seen things that other people, regular folk like us, don't get to see and experience. But right. what a cool way to uh, incorporate that into your D&D campaign. Yeah, I, I mean, why, why not? I mean, if you see cool things and yep. and uh, you have those sorts of opportunities to take in that sort of, you know, that, that extra bit of culture, you know, to see how things differ and how things look, why not make good use of it? Yeah. Right. Even how you were describing Bali, it really yeah. r- reminded me of uh, of Chult, of you know where the Tomb of Annihilation is right now, mm. because yeah. of all the volcanoes and the jungles and the you know things happening in the water. Oh yeah, I mean the, the the place is wild. I mean, there's a wreck you can go diving on there that didn't actually sink naturally, like it beached itself in World War II. The U.S. <laughs> Navy stripped it what it wanted out of it. The locals stripped what they wanted out of it, and then in like 1960, the volcano went off and it rolled it into the bay. Oh my God. Whoa. Yeah, so you know, just like you, you run into cool stories, like ideas like that. I mean, that's that's a, a that's a great hook right there. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. 
yeah, dive for, for whatever treasure. Maybe there's like a lost piece of lore or something like that that uh, mm-hmm. wasn't stripped out. Yeah, see, I'm already yeah. spitballing. Right? You got to write this, this before Greg Tito does. Got to watch out watch out for the Sahu again who might be in that uh, in that ruin. Yeah. yeah. That is really cool. So uh, we, uh, you know, we, we found out about you because you uh, uh, were quoted in uh, the Kotaku's uh, recent article about Tomb of Annihilation. Uh, so thank you for, for putting in your opinions there uh, about, about Chult and the uh, uh, cultures there. And definitely has sparked a lot of conversation uh, here in the office. And part of us talking to you was to continue that conversation. So, yeah, is there any uh, uh, stuff there we wanted to, to, to cover here? Um, I what do, you, what do you want to cover? Uh, what, what, do you, what do you want to get into <laughs> in the, the within the time frame that we have allotted? Yeah. Uh, well, I just you know, just wanted to talk about the the peoples and and the cultures there and and, and ways that uh, the Forgotten Realms uh, uh, you know depicts uh, people of color and and uh, how you know we can you know get a lot better at, at doing stuff like that. Oh, okay. Um, uh, well, geez, uh, that's a, that is a huge, <laughs> huge. Uh, Topic there. It um, is. It is. Now, so sorry if I threw it out in a. In no, a, no, 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 no problem. Um, I think one of the things uh, just would be to um, let those groups be fantastic, like have that fantasy element. Mm. Because one one of the things that I've noticed is that, and th- this was in uh, preparing for the third part of the review, um, writing on the uh, Tomb <laughs> of Annihilation, was that like within the Forgotten Realms. Um, you know, if you're from like the Sword Coast or Cormier or all this sort of stuff, you know, you you have that fantasy background. I mean, sure, there's a a bit of a cultural template over it, but they're allowed to have a fantasy history and a fantasy development, all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas with other groups, it's sort of a, a, a repeat of real world history. I mean, um, for, take Mazka for example. I mean, the the box set that came out in pretty much word for word recreated the Spanish conquest of the americas yeah and there was sort of like no thought as to what would an aztec based culture be like if it was in a world where magic existed and where the gods were a real thing yeah yeah that stuff is always fascinating to me uh you know because that's where that's where fantasy can excel is that like you just take what like things that are historical but like tweak them and and make them be like a what if kind of situation yeah. you know Exactly, and that and that's the thing that I've noticed doesn't happen as much um, when, you, when you start getting into uh, minority groups in in the game is that they sort of tend to get history. They're, they're, they tend to be more historical recreations than fantasy creations. Yeah, uh, you know, same thing when the the when the horde invaded into uh, Western Faerun. There, mm-hmm. you know, they they were almost carbon copies of Mongols, but. You know, they, they, there was, they didn't have, and then they fought against a fantasy army with like magic and all those other elements. And where, where was their magic? Where was their fantastic element? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and then it's, it's, uh, uh, you know, even harder when, you know, I, I, I think we've talked about, you know, what we would be like if we went to like a wild west area or like, you know, other type of things and, you want to make sure that it all is tweaked in a, in a way that uh, makes sense for, for, for telling stories, you know, that, yeah. that, that feels uh, representative of, of, you know, as many different cultures as possible. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so I, I, I think that's one element of it. Um, 
and there, there are other components as well. I mean, um, uh, for example, uh, the, in the, in the Kotaku article, you know, somebody brought up that you had a, a sort of a swath of different clothing types, uh, like show like ways of showing the people that lived in Chult. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, this is going from, you know, West to East to South Africa and, you know, North Africa, like this is, you're encompassing a giant area and you're saying that they all have this sort of this common dress and, you know, why, why not sort of focus more in on one area to make to give it a better um, sense of continuity or, or even break it up. I mean, there is a, there's three human tribes there, you know, and you have one group that was sort of described as being kind of East African, one group that was sort of West African and one group that wasn't really described at all because they were supposed to have been wiped out in some sort of crazy war that happened for reasons unknown. Um, <laughs> right. We're, we're, and, we're, and we're still piecing together a lot of the history uh, as, yeah. as we're doing it. Yeah, exactly. And that's, um, and, it, and it's in piecing together that history is where I see a lot of opportunities to, um, to change things and to develop stuff because where there's gaps in history, there's opportunity to create and to enhance mm-hmm. as opposed to simply reinforcing things that are already there. Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, I mean, you, you mentioned the Dungeon Master's Kill, but that would be a, a great... I'd love to see more explorations of, of, of different parts of those things uh, up in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the short term, you know, as as we're dealing with, uh, you know, production schedules being as they are, uh, you know, it's always hard to turn on a dime or something like that, but, you know, there's... Oh, absolutely, yeah, that's... I mean, t- t- time and space are no one's friends. So. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, well, that's cool. Um, yeah, and again, I, you know, it's it's really cool that uh, uh, you know we're we're talking more and more about this. I mean, that's that's kind of what our our goal is going forward. Uh, and uh, you know, even uh, when you know you and I uh, spoke uh, last week, was it last mm-hmm. week or was that even the week before? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you mentioned how there was lots of other, you know, there's 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 a wealth of you know novels and stuff written uh, about the Sword Coast and, and up and down all those cities uh, are are really well explored. Um, yeah. But then the area of Chult is is uh, you know there's a few novels and, and that's about it. And that part of it just is the breadth of stuff that's created for it. Um, you know, it isn't able to you know it, that one piece things will be like very indicative. You know, where I th- there was more written about it in general. Um, it, it, it feel, you know, like, like yeah, more representation. Well, I mean, it's, it, it's sort of a weight of lore, um, thing that I think, and I think just about anybody can fall victim to it. And that's, if you're used to working and writing in an environment where you don't have to worry about the background because it's so well established and so already well entrenched within the minds, like within the minds and discussions and narratives of the people playing the game, that when you hit an area that doesn't have that same background if, if you're not conscious of that then you sort of just sort of blaze ahead with whatever's uh whatever comes to mind first without sort of stopping and saying hey wait a minute like is there do we have this for this like do we have that background do we have that that level of support Right, right, because then, right, because then, anything you do uh, uh, put out there, it ends up being like, okay, now this is the new baseline, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. But if there was just this more wealth of stuff, so yeah, I, I totally see that, and we're, you know, uh, uh, encouraging. We have the, our our Dungeon Master Guild Adept program to encourage more and more stuff happening within uh, the storylines that we're putting out right now, and I think Chult is a, 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 you know, there's there's a lot of 
uh, area for development, as, as you mentioned. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of cool stuff going on there. Do you want to talk about your blog, too? Because I found that to be a really good resource as well. Uh, sure. Well, uh, what, what would you like to know? Uh, well, when did, you, sort of... when did you start? I mean, the more we talk to you and, like, the, you know, about how busy you are in your day life, and then I see, like, you actually have these really thoughtful, long blog posts. And, I mean, obviously, you, you do a lot of research on, on gaming, the gaming industry in general. So I don't know how you really have time to do all these things. But... <laughs> Um, when did you start your blog and really like, why did you start it? I, I think it was, uh, I think it was late 2013 or late, uh, or, or very early 2014 that I started it. And the reason I did it was because I was just, um, like I was really sort of like getting back into gaming a lot and I wanted to see like for, for, fourth edition had been a lot of heartbreak for me. Um, cause it, it just, I, it, it, was, it wasn't the D&D that I was used to, and it wasn't the D&D that I was sort of, you know, lo- lo- looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, We've heard that a lot. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, when I, so when I started the blog, it was, uh, it was because I'd, I'd been part of D&D Next. I was part of the playtesting, mm-hmm. and I was loving what was happening because it was, it was it, to me, it was a synthesis of my favorite parts of second edition and my favorite parts of third edition. Um, sort of coming together to make this really amazing game where you could really get into it and create really unique and interesting characters. And then I heard that Forgotten Realms was going to be the new default setting. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was great because Greyhawk drove me crazy. Um, <laughs> and uh, like I, I, I loved like the, uh, the cosmology of the place. It was really good. Yeah. But just like the world itself, um, it made my geography brain hurt (laughs) and your anthropology brain hurt probably as well yes um and so when they said forgotten realms was going to be it i I got really excited so i uh borrowed a friend's copies of the forgotten realms um campaign guide and players book or campaign setting and uh players guide Mm -hmm. and i was like okay you know i'm gonna see what we're gonna have to work with because I knew things had changed since third edition. I just didn't know what had happened because I hadn't been paying attention to fourth. And so I, I opened it up and I was like, wow, like this place is broken. Um, <laughs> broken how? Well, I, I, I describe it as it was it was written by somebody who hated Forgotten Realms. Oh, no. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> it was like uh, Dungeons and Dragons, at least in my opinion, hasn't had a great record with apocalypses as methods of restarting campaign <laughs> settings. Yeah. Um, and That's fair. Well, it was either that or you wake up and you realize it was a dream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you have, and, and you have a twin sister. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds pretty compelling, actually. Right? Yeah, Last time a, we hire soap opera writers. literally better than what happened. Um, <laughs> and yeah, what, what I found was that you know, the spell plague had happened and somebody had dug back into back when they referred to Toril as Abir Toril and came up with a changed cosmology, which actually wasn't that bad. Like the addition of primordials and all that stuff actually, you know, like improved uh, the things a little bit. Hmm. But then they sort of smashed the planet and uh, shoehorned in all the player races that were in the in the core books. Right. Um, 
Dra- and Dragonborn being the, the, the biggest one that you're like, all right, there's just now a nation of Dragonborn. Yeah, and then they're like, oh, uh, you know, uh, gold elves are now Eladrin, regular mm. elves are now uh, moon elves, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it just, um, and then you looked around sort of and all the named places uh, where the people, you know, were, were minorities seem to have gotten the boots harder than everybody else. I mean, mm. you had the whole Chalton Peninsula got blown into sandbars. Um you know, Chult itself was uh, reduced to like a pulp fantasy, um, you know, lost world with like with the only, you know, bastions of civilization being the little like the two colonies. Yeah. Um, what's it? Uh, Termish, uh, everybody's favorite other black civilization <laughs> in Forgotten Realms uh, was uh, was a failed state. Like there was literally no reason to make a character who was from there. And it wasn't even offered as a as an option. Uh, Mazdka was transported to another world. <laughs> yeah. Like, like and the then now, now it, but now it's apparently back also. We've been, uh, you know, I, yeah. I'm I, like, I, I, I'm like you in that I knew more about Greyhawk, uh, uh, before the forgotten realms, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you know, became more to the, the front and center for fifth edition. Um, and I don't know very much about it, so I, that's what part of the fun of talking to Matt Cernet and, and Chris Perkins about the lore mm. of, of the Forgotten Realms is that I'm learning a lot of it as well. Um, but yeah, right, yeah, I mean, I, and I think Matt's one of his things is like a Mastika. It's it's there. It could be there. It could be a part of it. <laughs> and, we haven't really explored it or said yet, but it, it, in theory, it's there. And, and and that's why you know, as you know, when we were talking the other week, uh, I said when you asked, you know, what would I like to see? Yeah, my answer was a map. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I want to see a full map of Toril, like from you know uh, Faron, uh, you know Karatur, Zakara, um, and then like the undescribed continents. Right. What else is there? Right. Uh, Aussie, Katashaka, and An- Anarchomi, and Akrame. I'm not sure how to well, pronounce we, it. You need to have your own lore. You should know. Segment. <laughs> I know, right? I want to talk to Graham more and be like, tell us. Yeah. Yeah, because there's these, there's these other areas that are, you know, they're they're undescribed, and they're supposed to be, like, Anarchrome is supposed to be, I think, an analog for North America. Um, Katashaka is supposed to be an analog for Africa, and I believe Ase is supposed to be Australia, Australia or something. Like, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, and I think I think uh, I I because I love maps and I love to have a a. A newly updated version of the Forgotten Realms I can just put in my new office. <laughs> but, you know, your, your new cubicle. My new cubicle. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, half, half uh, space. <laughs> uh, but like, I think a lot of it has to do with you know a lot of it's not, uh, not set in stone. I think there's some stuff that's like, hey, we may explore it at some point later on down the line. Um, and uh, uh, you know, even just Matt's another Sir- bad dream. I might have. Oh a, yeah, but another I mean, bad like, dream about it. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, ex- exploring something down the line is fantastic but a map doesn't define what you can or can't explore correct down the line it just says this is the world go nuts yeah and uh i know there's at least one uh a cartographer if devin rue is still in the the twitch chat uh but i'd love to see a uh a, a, you know a new cartographer take the reins and see what they can do as a new spin on uh, uh what that map would look that like that would be so cool right we need a globe i think it's like ones would be like there'd be dragons here kind of version of the map too where it's like oh that, yeah stuff like that that's awesome like, yeah you start adding stuff like that and you know like these you know this is the the world according to the view of you know, fill in the blank. And, oh yeah, that'd be the great way to do it. Like, hey, this is Neverwinter's view of the world uh, uh, based on you know whatever yeah. they've been able to 
you know, bring to, you know, what explorers yeah. have brought back. Cool, a whole series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, like, I, I, I know, like, I've behind me right now, I've got one, two, three, four editions worth of Forgotten Realms maps. Nice. Because I've I have shamelessly abused my plotter privileges at work. And <laughs> <laughs> no way! I, I want to see these. Yeah, and, and like they're they're fantastic because it's I'm like okay, <laughs> this is the world, sweet, and uh, you can also see the changes that have happened from edition to edition. Oh, that oh, is yeah. cool. You should take a picture and, yeah, and send it to us. I'd love to see that. To see that. Yeah, absolutely. Display. You got to be careful if you leave something behind on a printer. Where you were. <laughs> it's, it's true. What is this? <laughs> right. We're going, we're going to another world? <laughs> this doesn't look like part of the district. Okay. Dragons. Right on. All right. I thought it was just on uh, HBO, but no. Nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those, those are some really good ideas. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I think having a new, new way to, to, to have the map of that world would be fantastic. I'd love to put it on uh, my kid's ceiling. <laughs> Before anything oh, else gets God. up there. <laughs> like those glow-in-the-dark stars. Like those glow-in-the-dark stars. Yeah. Who wants those up there, right? <laughs> we didn't actually mention those. the name of your blog. I think we just called it your blog. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, POC Gamer is my blog. And it is updated irregularly. <laughs> I, try, I try to get something out every week, but that does not always happen. So, <laughs> But when you do uh, update it, you really – those are very – good lengthy blog posts it's true thank you you make up for lost time (laughs) and i think shelly has some uh you know uh, i have uh, blog envy yeah (laughs) because you don't post as much either on your facebook blogging page no right is the bachelor in uh yeah i'm gonna say we're in between bachelor seasons (laughs) i have nothing to talk about (laughs) what do you want me to say do you know uh well maybe you can guest on uh yeah And uh, do some other uh, uh, different <laughs> conversations on your on your Facebook page about uh, uh, maps and stuff. Yes, maybe I will. Yeah, make it happen. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like now I want to know more about your homebrew uh, uh, setting uh, and 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 talk about that. What your what your, you guys are playing in fifth edition now? Yes. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, we've got the uh, yeah we've got a set of the set of the books and uh, yeah we've got the Sword Coast Adventures guide. Polo's Guide to Monsters, which we've pillaged ruthlessly for player races and stuff like that. And nice. Yeah, I've got, um, what I can do is I'll, I'll email you the uh, the ping file of the world that I made on Hexmapper, and you can see what it looks like. And Yeah. Um, what kind of I'm, stuff is uh, is going on in the homebrew world? What, uh, what kind of stories are being told? Uh, nothing crazy exciting yet. Everybody's, uh, there's a handful of people that are new to 5th edition. Mm-hmm. So we're going through those opening adventures that you sort of have to do sometimes where, you know, get everybody used to the mechanics, how things work, things yeah. that have changed. And um, in the meantime, a lot of goblins are dying. So <laughs> this makes sense. Yeah. Uh, or are there a lot of uh, gamers in your group now who uh, have played in the past and are coming back? Is that, is that what I'm getting? Yes. Um, there's like a, a lot of us, um, a lot of them are parents now, and I'm like about to become one myself, and that definitely. Oh, no way. Congratulations. Uh, oh, thank you. Um, that definitely is something that eats into your, uh, eats into your available time because, you know, you got a, you got a, a kid. You got to do that stuff now. Tell us about and it. So, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, so no now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so uh, now, um, you know, like they've, they've got, you know, a bit more time and a bit more, and they want to get back into things and, 
you know, a lot of the games that we used to enjoy aren't in print anymore <laughs> or aren't supported anymore. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I was like, hey, guys, like, let's let's do fifth edition. Let's see where this goes. And yeah, Sweet. Off, off we've gone. What uh, what's the party? Are they are they are they optimal? Have they? <laughs> I don't I don't think I don't think we've run, I don't think we've ever had an optimal party. Where <laughs> uh, the one of the big things like within my gaming experience is that I never actually had a DM or a group that sort of got fixated on like the standard player character party. Mm. Um, it was always more of a there's always more effort put into and more interest put into making characters that you wanted to play or the sorts of things that you wanted to do. Yeah. And so like at points that meant that we had no cleric or we had no wizard or, you know, there, there was capability gaps, but it, we, the thing was always to overcome that with good role playing and planning and, you know, making the alchemist shop very, very happy because you're constantly buying potions. Um, <laughs> That's why you got to go into business as an alchemist. Yep. That's the that's the yeah. way to do that. And so we, um, yeah, so we never really got into that whole like a, you know, we need a fighter, a mage, uh, right, thief, and a cleric, and then anybody else is surplus. Like we had a party once where we had like three wizards, two fighters, and a paladin. Oh man, that sounds like an awesome party. Mm-hmm. I would yeah, love it, that. Yeah, it was really interesting especially when you're using like strength checks to brute force your way through uh <laughs> like things the thief should be doing like picking locks or climbing things <laughs> <laughs> i'm just gonna bang down this uh this entire wall <laughs> that was pretty much it We're like huh well no one no one knows how to pick locks better smash it <laughs> all, all you wizards better take knock knock spells <laughs> exactly you know, and, and, even, and even with the wizards we had i mean like they weren't playing typical wizards you know when they got to the level where everyone's like yeah right on i want fireball they're like i want lightning or mm. you know like they, they chose other spells and so it changed how, you know how the game worked for us and it was really fun it was it was a good uh a good way to sort of like see the other things you can do when you break out of that standard party mold yeah and i always feel wizards and, and magic users in general uh when they're used creatively really is like what D and D is all about, you know, like when you're trying to be like, I'm going to use this spell that, you know, it's, you know, on the surface, it's a, you know, air wind damage spell or something like that. But like, try to use that to, uh, uh, get across the chasm or something like that. You know, like things that are like, you don't use a spell, not the way it was like mm-hmm. always used or, or intended, uh, is the oh, yeah. outside of the box spell casting. That's what they call it. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and my, my, my friend did that, uh, recently, uh, one of my friends who's joining us in this game, um, he's been he's played a lot more fifth edition than the rest of us, mm-hmm. and he played a druid in the House of Strahd. Nice, uh, the Strahd adventure, and vampires are weak against moving water. Shape water is a free spell. Nice. So oh. he formed a little Ouroboros out of water, and just dropped it and held it around vampires and let nature take its course. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that's so great. He's, he, so he's doing stuff. He's not burning any spell slots, and he's killing vampires like it's going out of style. Sweet. I love that. So, yeah. I also love that how every, like, you know, every once in a while there's a word that m- confirms that you're Canadian for me. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard a few of those. Yeah. There's an against or an aboot, and I'm like, oh, yeah. A bean. Uh, yeah, bean. <laughs> love it. Uh, well, uh, yeah, anything you else you want to kind of uh, point people to uh, as, as we kind of wrap this up? Uh, uh, you know, we talked about uh, POC Gamer. Is that .com uh, is where that blog is? Uh, yes, yes, it is. POC Gamer.com. Um, 
the only thing I'd say is just uh, if you're if you're if you're playing D and D, have fun with it. Like break yeah. out of the mold. Like do don't let yourself get necessarily confined by how things are traditionally because editions change and concepts change with editions. And so, you know, like don't don't be afraid to try things. You know, let the players have fun. Worst Absolutely. case scenario, they die. Got to erase the uh, name off the sheet, write a new one in, and start <laughs> over again. <laughs> that's that's good life advice in general, but also Pencil. very good D and D advice. I love that. Yeah, that is the thing to do. You know, you never you want to, and that's that's why it's good for kids. It's good for people of all ages because you can, mm-hmm. yep, you know, life lessons. Exactly. Awesome. Well, congratulations again on uh, your impending uh, fatherhood. Oh Thank yeah. You. So when when, are, when what's the due date? Uh, January. Oh yeah. Ooh, good. You're in the home stretch. Coming up. It's true. That's gonna be exciting. Now you're there. gonna have one hour a day <laughs> to yourself. That's that's enough. Ish <laughs> ish. If ish. you if you combine the 15 minutes that uh, uh, the newborn will be sleeping uh, into one hole, oh, that's always so tough. Uh, but yeah, you're totally right. Your, your, your gaming time and or thinking about gaming time will be reduced uh, for probably about you know three to five years. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, or you'll have so much new fodder to write about, you'll be so inspired. It'll just flow out of you. Like, yeah, that, that is entirely vomit. possible as well. <laughs> and then you'll start a party of your own uh, yeah. of adventurers. That's, that's where uh, hopefully Shelly and I are at that point now where our, our kids are, uh, oh, we are getting to that age yeah. where I'm like, all right, nice. recruit nice. them in. Yep. <laughs> Cool, man. It was really good talking to you. Yeah, um, uh, are you on uh, Twitter or anything like that? You want to put people that way? or um, Yeah, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. Um, it's at POC Gamer on Twitter. And if you just type in POC Gamer, search, the page will come up on uh, Facebook. And, yeah, um, thanks very much for having me out here. It's been great talking to you guys. Yeah, thank you. No problem. Thanks a lot, man. We'll let you uh, uh, get back to your duties. <laughs> yeah, yeah so it's back, back to my regular job. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, talk to you soon. Right. Thank talk you. Bye. Bye. That was awesome. We need to have him on again. Absolutely. Yeah, especially after him. he has uh, uh, his child. So oh, we can yeah. be like, no, before, we're never going to talk to him again. <laughs> It'll be the one hour that he can get uh, yeah. away, right? Like, here, I know you probably want to sleep in this hour, but. Nope. nope. Talk to us instead. Let's talk about gaming and he how. He has a lot of good advice. He has, he's very prolific. Yeah. I want to hear more about this campaign. I, I want to hear more about his travels. I kept trying to pull out more. I'm like, I want He's more like, details because there's so much in there. Ideas, <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's super exciting. Yeah. A lot of fun stuff. Yep. Uh, Maybe he should live stream. I know. I know. I was thinking about that too. I don't know if how that works with active duty though. If you're, yeah. if you could, it might be. Uh, uh, I don't know. Who knows? But I, know. I will. Anyway. I'll be asking him to to see if he's going to get it on his thing too, because that sounds really cool. cool. Um, so yeah, that's great. Um, I can't wait for for uh, you know uh, more little gamers to be. Uh, uh, yes, he's doing uh, proliferated out in the world. A good service. <laughs> Uh, so let's wrap this up. What what do you have going on for you, Shelley? Uh, that you want to talk about on the twitters as we yeah, are leaving? Just have to wait and see. Yeah, but, where can people follow you and what Avalon Hill might be Avalon coming? Avalon Hill. Oh yeah, you want to follow Avalon Hill to the number two Boogaloo on Twitter, and I'm at Shelley Moo. Yes. Yes. Do do uh, a lot of people ask you about how annoying I am on Twitter? Yes. <laughs> they say, why? Why? How? How? 
does he really take his shirt off in the middle of the office? <laughs> and you're like, yes, 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 he does. Yes, he does. It's terrible. He gets a new box of T-shirts and he just starts, God, it's a good thing it wasn't pants or something. Oh, man. Forget it. Next time I'm going to order some pants. <laughs> <laughs> like, shall I just turn around? Just don't look at me right now. Yeah, right. I'll go into I'm the conference room. Uh, yeah, uh, you can follow me. I'm at uh, Greg Tito. I'm also just joined Instagram. Oh, yeah. I'm uh, Greg underscore Tito there. I couldn't find. What are you doing on Instagram? Like, what are what are kids these days doing with it? I think, well, because I post so many pictures on Twitter, it just kind of made sense oh, okay. to also have an Through Instagram-ish your... presence. I have Instagram, but I never really use it, and I don't even really look at it. But I yeah. will. I will. I will. Well, we've heard that a lot of uh, uh, the the folks that we work with, like Forrest Gray, for example. Yeah. Forrest Gray is going to be uh, doing their episodes tonight at uh, 5 p.m. Pacific time on uh, Monday. Um, like the, a lot of those folks are only on Instagram. They don't do Twitter or Facebook really at all. Facebook? Facebook. Facebook. Um, so, yeah, that was part of it. And it's 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 a whole different networking yeah, type you, Well, you got to be where the kids are. And I like images. I like taking Photos. Well, I, when I go on Instagram, yeah. I, I like it. I like looking at everything. Yeah, so and I'm going to be taking lots of pictures of you uh, and posting them. You put me on your Instagram? All over the place. It's just going to be nonstop. Okay. Uh, seems weird. Doesn't that seem weird? Well, I mean, with your permission. It doesn't of seem Of course. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, now with our new our new offices, we can just be like, uh, it's like between, there's right, like, little, the there's like little cutouts in our, uh, our, our I, cubicles. I'm a little worried about what Trevor's going to think about our shared bookshelf. Like, is he going to be like, you took up too much room? It's. I mean, we're sharing. This is Instagram worthy pictures. People don't know what we're talking about. We got to take pictures yeah. of our shelves and have like our, our shelf things. wars on there. I don't. I guess there's. Yeah. Make, it, make an Avalon Hill uh, Instagram. Here. There you go. That's all you need to do. Make it part of the the things that Avalon Hill does. Taking pictures of, of board games and, and whatnots. Okay. <laughs> She's like, mm, no, I don't have time for that. Uh, but there are lots of uh, other amazing things that we do have time for uh, coming up on twitch.tv slash DND. Those of you listening in podcast form, why aren't you watching us live if you can? It is a lot of fun. You get to see our, our stupid faces. Uh, and uh, new T-shirts. And new T-shirts, exactly. Um, there's tons of fun uh, new shows and uh, ongoing shows on Twitch, uh, including uh, Maze Arcana uh, has a new one called Sirens of the Realms, which is an all-girl bard band. Uh, 6 p.m. on Tuesdays, which is super fun. Also, there's uh, Encounter Roleplay Learn to Play on Saturdays, uh, I believe at 3 p.m. Pacific time. That's really interesting. If you're interested in yeah. trying to figure out how to be a dungeon master, you can watch this show, and then Will Jones will stop the action, go in his little cone of silence uh, so his, his players can't hear, and talk to you about <laughs> what the decisions that he made and why he did what he did. It's a good way to like kind of learn by play as yep. the name of the show says it's so very cool go check that out uh, there's also it's all on our YouTube page uh, a lot of our archives are there uh, which is uh, I don't know just search for Dungeons and Dragons on YouTube you should find it you, should know, you know how to use a search bar I'm pretty sure at this <laughs> point if you don't uh, then uh, this is a different podcast that you might need to download it's called Search Bar Prowess that I'm pitching I'm pitching that right now do you think we should do it do I think you want to have your own Twitch show 
Exactly. Yeah. Uh, if you guys want to find out about uh, Tomb of Annihilation, uh, the Dungeon Masters Guild, what's going on with the Forest Grey Live Show, Extra Life, uh, what's happening here on the Twitch page, go to DungeonsAndDragons.com. That's our website with all the information contained therein. Also, you can follow us on uh, Twitter, Wizards underscore DND. We do lots of updates there, lots of news uh, and uh, happenings going around town. Sound like a plan? Yes. All right. You want to close this mother out? No. Uh, wait, was I know I had a better uh, call phrase. I was supposed to say, oh, yeah. roll with advantage. Damn it. No, that wasn't it. Was that it? Play know. D&D with all the advantages that you oh, need. No, that's too long. No, see, yeah, I lost uh, its flavor. Roll. It's <laughs> 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 like a Optimus, roll. Optimus Prime says, wait, no, okay. Uh, roll out. Roll and in. an advantage. All right, no, I think we're just done. Let's just make the bings and the bongs happen. Mm-hmm.